Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles injury reinforcements, the NFC East division race, the NFL trade deadline, and we'll preview the week eight matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, Mike, I'm doing well. Uh, not too bad. It's, it's Cowboys week. You know, everybody, everybody around this area looks forward to that and uh, looking forward to breaking down with you. How are you doing? I'm well, man. Uh, you know, I can't really complain. I I wish I could. Uh, it's been a you know an interesting week. Uh, it was nice to have that mini buy. I got to R and R a little bit with my uh, son and my my wife, and uh, you know we went to. Oh my god, I already forgot what we did this weekend. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, we went to it. We went to an animal preserve, and he like chilled with a bunch of birds, but obviously oh, with cages cool. around them. Yeah, so. That was cool. Um, you know, you got to cover your first night game on the beat in person uh, against the Giants. You're getting a second heaping helping at the link this week with the Cowboys. Uh, what did you take away from covering a game at night? The atmosphere. Obviously, there weren't fans in the stands, but how, how much different did you feel kind of covering the game at night as opposed to the, the one o'clock starts? Well, I will, I will say this. It's a, it's a lot later you have to work. I will say that. It definitely is. It, it, it's a unique perspective. And you mentioned the fans. And I think with the night game, I think there it does bring a little bit of extra energy, even though it was like, about, was it 4,000, 5,000, 4,700, 5,000 people in, that, in those stands? You still could hear them. They, you still hear, especially in front of us in the press box, they, they were loud and vocal as they were. And I think the biggest takeaway was that I didn't get finished. I think I know. I think I saw we were texting right like late three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, still going, getting that stuff ready and and getting it adapted to that. Like it's actually kind of fun. Like actually working that late. And I'm weird like that, but it's actually fun kind of working that late and going and breaking down the Eagles and and everything like that. So it it was a unique perspective, you know. I mean. I mean, how, how do how do you do it for this long? I mean, how are you able to go ahead and do, especially with all these night games with you with the Eagles and then the Jags before? How are you able to to continually do this, man? 
Well, what's funny is like, you bring up the Jags. Uh, they only ever were na- on national television, either in the playoffs or uh, on Thursday night football, because they're such a small market team and the level of interest nationally isn't there. So they used to do like an annual like Titans, Jaguars, get it out of the way Thursday night football game. And so that was your only, you know, exposure to that. And that was a lot of fun. And I always used to say, man, I can't wait to cover a, a, a good team because then I'll be, you know, in the spot. Like, I'll be able to do that and have that atmosphere pretty regularly. And then you come to Philly and it's like there's five night games a year and you're just kind of like tired, man, because a lot of them hit you back to back. Like it's going to happen with the Giants and the Cowboys this week, luckily you know, uh, it was a Thursday night football game and then a Sunday night football game. And then, uh, there's a bye. So it's not like you're like, it, cause the NFL season's a marathon. Like I'm not trying to act like we're out on the field and like tired and stuff, but from a writing perspective and, and just an overall create, uh, you know, turnaround perspective, it can sometimes be pretty rough. We've been lucky to have both of these games, uh, both of these night games at home. Um, so you know and and for the 49ers game we didn't travel because of uh you know they were on the new jersey no travel list so um we've kind of lucked out this year typically it's much more of a grind like i remember thursday night football uh the packers uh to give you guys a little bit of inside info um i think the game ended at like 11 o'clock central time and I had a flight at like 6.30 in the morning. And when you stay in, in when, when the Eagles play the Packers, you typically can't get a hotel in uh, Green Bay. You have to stay in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is like 30 minutes away from Green Bay. So you've got to go back to the hotel. You've got to write for two hours, maybe sleep for an hour. And then you're driving back because you want to get back in time for uh, the noon press conference and be able to cover it. So uh, and direct flights. Uh, to and from uh, Green Bay or Appleton are not very convenient. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> it could be much worse. We cover football for a living. It's it's a rush <laughs> in the moment. Uh, but sometimes you get really exhausted, especially when you come home and your wife's working late and you just got home and you've got to watch your kid until she gets home and do, you know, I mean, it's a lot. But you know what? It's fun. It's it's very cool that we cover a team that has so much national interest and so much international interest. And, um, you know, th- that's the small price you pay. So, it, you know, I don't want to sound ungrateful. It's a, it's a great opportunity and it's fun uh, to go through that, especially after covering the Jaguars where, you know, they were no more for losing than winning. Uh, but anyway, on that note, um, I think when we look at, uh, this Eagles team moving forward as my dog uh, decides to soften his pillow up randomly in the middle of the show uh, <laughs> on my kid's bed, like my kid's like couch bed. Um, anyway, that he's made his own. Uh, <laughs> I think we've got to talk about what's happening now, right? So the Eagles uh, started practicing. We're recording this on Thursday. The Eagles started practicing Wednesday um, some notable returns. Malik Jackson was at practice. Uh, he missed the previous game. Um, Jalen Rager, who's on IR, had his 21-day window activated. He was back. Looked really strong catching the football and fielding punts. Um, 
TJ Edwards, the linebacker, has been out for the last three games on injured reserve. Uh, I mean, Rudy Ford, special teams ace. Uh, and then Dallas Goddard, who's missed the past four games. He was out there too. Uh, Jason Peters is back. Like they're getting all the guys, excuse this, the sound of uh, moving my uh, desk a little bit, but you know, there's, there's like a, the cavalry, the cavalry is coming. You know what I mean? Like they're getting healthy at the right time. Darius Slay yesterday said, I think it was Darius Slay, right? Or no, it was Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills said that, you know, you never want anybody to get injured, but selfishly, if you do, have a lot of injuries. You want those to happen earlier on the season so you can get a bunch of guys back. We knew that that injuries were going to come with this COVID era just because they didn't get a full rev up period with training camp and, and the off season and everything. Um, but now it, it like the second half of the season, if guys can stay healthy, obviously Deshaun Jackson's going to be out for a while. Zach Ertz is going to be out for a while. They have a decent amount of, of return here. Um, what who what, who are like two or three of the biggest uh, returns that you think will help this group immediately? Maybe not week eight against the Cowboys, but immediately after the bye. I think the one guy I think is Dallas Goddard. I think the way that he he was playing before he got injured at, with with that fractured fractured ankle, I think he was playing very well. So much so, I think he usurped uh, Zach Ertz as the primary tar- uh, tight end on his team, and the way he's able to go ahead. And basically, when he command the seams, go ahead across the middle and get those matchups against those mismatches against linebackers and and the safeties. That's huge. And we've seen how much even with his absence, Carson Wentz likes to target the tight ends. I mean, Richard Rodgers has played well instead, not to put anything down on Richard Rodgers, but he's been playing well and 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 actually performing at a high level. So the fact if you had you, you get back Goddard and you go ahead and have Rodgers, I think that's huge. I think the other guy that I probably would say you have to, and this, this is going to be out left field, I know, but, but Rudy Ford. I think a lot of times you see when you have these these special teams guys that are really quiet, the, he he's definitely impacts the kick coverage game, which in turn basically definitely helps the field position game. I think when you go ahead and you look at what these, or basically what the Eagles have done well, is when they're not going ahead constantly starting at the 35 to 40 45 and even in their own territories after turnovers, this defense actually holds what it does decently. It does a decent job when it comes to that stuff. So when you have a coverage guy, you get more help coming to the special teams. You can start, it's a domino effect. It helps your defense, which in turn helps your offense and then and cycle just completes itself. So I think Rudy Ford is definitely going to be another guy that's going to be great that, to see coming back. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think, any upgrade anywhere can help this team, right? I mean, this is a team that's kind of straggled along here. They're they're leading the division at two, four, and one. Um, they've got a good outlook for the next two games. They're playing the Cowboys, who have struggled at two and five, and the Giants, who apparently just had somebody test positive for COVID, and they're one and six. So uh they enter the bye. If they can win this game against the Cowboys, they're set up for a second half turnaround. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jason Peters. Jason Peters on Wednesday lined up at left tackle with Jordan Melata lining up at right tackle. That got a lot of negativity. Uh, it should be noted that Lane Johnson was not at practice. Jack Driscoll was watching practice injured. 
Uh, I actually think it's the right move if you're going to do this from an immediate standpoint. Jordan Melata played right tackle a lot throughout the summer. Um, it's a position that they've cross-trained him at for two years. When Lane Johnson comes back, if they feel that Jason Peters is good enough to play a left tackle, Melata could potentially be a swing tackle. Uh, you know, if if they realize that Lane Johnson's injury could be prolonged or or Jack Driscoll's out for a little while uh they'll have the the versatility to play right tackle because Matt Pryor frankly cannot play outside he's just not a guy who who's athletic enough to block the edge uh so they'd much rather have him at guard um I know there's been talk about moving Jason Peters in at right guard I would agree with that if Lane Johnson was fully healthy but he's not and I think the way you look at it is let's say that you know, Lane Johnson's out on, on Sunday night, right? And you've got Jason Peters, you know, is kind of a, uh, you know, a 50-50 chance of, of completing a game. Well, here's the thing. If Jason Peters goes down, you can always move Jordan Melata to left tackle. If Matt Pryor is struggling at right tackle, you can't put in Jason Peters at right tackle, and you don't want to move Jordan Melata to right tackle in the middle of a game just so you can insert Jason Peters at left tackle, who might already be playing guard. So it allows you to not have to move around three spots, essentially. So what what's your take on, on the usage of Jason Peters? See, I disagree with you on here, and this is one of the rare uh, th- times, especially when it comes to a veteran and a younger guy, that I actually – I actually think Maialata should go ahead and remain in there at the left tackle spot. I think he's played well with the exception of last week against the Giants. I think Leonard Williams got the best of him. But I think when you go ahead and go against teams like the Ravens and the Steelers, you only gave up two sacks in those games. And you're going ahead and you're playing well. And with his mobility, I think you'd rather go ahead and stay in there and keep him in there. And unfortunately, it seems like with Jason Peters, he had a he had a great career here. He really did at left tackle. But the one thing we constantly see is there's two things that we constantly see with Jason Peters. He's going to cost you five five yards a game, pretty much. The, the, the weekly Jason Peters false start penalty, and you can't have that on the end when it comes to there. The second thing is he always has to leave for, it seems like, a, a, a good amount of chunk of plays during a game because something's ailing him. And don't get me wrong, you can't fault anybody who wants to go, who has the heart and determination that wants to try to come back and play a game, but – when it starts to become a detriment to the team at times and you have to have guys running in and out and they can't get a true flow of going ahead and playing there, it, it gets really tough. And, I mean, would, wouldn't you – don't you see, especially with uh, Jason Peters, like constantly held off the field, you still want to go ahead – you, you still want to put him in there in that spot to go ahead and basically, you, you know, you're probably going to may have to see Maialata in there at one point. You still want to go with that? Yeah, because here's the thing. Jordan Milad has played the left tackle position the last three weeks. He's fine. He's comfortable there, right? Uh, you don't want to have to, if Matt Pryor gets injured, have to move Jordan Milad over to right tackle. You'd rather move Jordan Milad from right tackle to left tackle if Jason Peters were to be out. That's why they're prepping him. To me, there's logical sense in that and saying, well, you know what? Jordan Milad is younger. He's had the, the experience in the summer of playing on the right side realistically he should be the swing tackle in in a best case scenario um if lane johnson and jack driscoll are out your only other option is brett toth who uh has played four snaps so i think 
their logic there is as opposed to putting Matt Pryor out there who will be beat like a drum by, by Demarcus Lawrence, they are putting Jordan Melata against the best defensive end on the Cowboys and the D and look, the Cowboys are all edge rushers, Alden Smith, Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. Uh, you've got to be able to win on the edge. And so the logic there is you have your best two players playing the tackle positions. Jason Peters is an older player. Moving him to right tackle is not the right move, in my opinion. That said, the alternative would be to move Jason Peters to left guard, keep Nate Herbig at right guard, um, and then you have Matt Pryor at right tackle. I don't really like that right side of the line against Demarcus Lawrence. So I get the logic for this one week. I don't really think... I think you have to reevaluate afterwards, but if you don't have Lane Johnson, I think this makes actually a lot of sense. I also think Jordan Maylotta's body type and his entire uh, game kind of fits better as a right tackle than a left tackle. He's a pretty good run blocker, in my opinion. Uh, He's also really dangerous on screens, and we know that most screens typically go to the right side uh, for the Eagles. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 I get, I get the, I get the, the blowback. Believe me, I do, but I understand the logic here. If that makes sense. Like I get what they're trying to do. I, I also think Jeff Stoutland, who is making a lot of these decisions as the run game coordinator uh, with Doug Peterson has earned that trust from observers. Uh, I think that Jeff Stoutland is without a doubt the most important assistant coach in this on this team, if not the entire division, if not the entire conference. Uh, what he has been able to do with this group of like this turnstile of offensive linemen is pretty incredible. Um, there were guys in that I spoke to in the league that thought Jack Driscoll was severely overdrafted. He's looked very competent and had to start week one as a rookie on a last minute notice. Uh, I think when you look at what Nate Herbig's done is, is moving back and forth when he was cross-trained at center, he was trained at center essentially his entire rookie year. And then they brought him back to using him at guard. I think you, you look at, you know, Jamon Brown's the, maybe the one major blemish, right? Matt Pryor hasn't played well, but at least he, he knows the position he's played relatively like passable, um, but it, it's a constant struggle for this this offensive line. Uh, I just think, like, they're very big believers in moving guys around. I think when you look at Jordan Melata, uh, he's so new that moving him, similar to Herbig, is not going to hurt his development. It's not going to hurt you from an offensive line standpoint, at least from a development standpoint. Um, and so I think this is them kind of flexing their, their uh, foresight, right? Uh Look, if Jason Peters goes down, you can easily move Jordan Melata to left tackle. Um, but let me ask you this. If if uh, Matt Pryor is sucking up the joint, would you rather have the option of uh, Brett Toth uh, as his replacement or Jordan Melata? If you say Toth, you're... If, yeah, she if said you, you boxed me in a corner. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you said, <laughs> if, if you said Toth, you're lying to yourself. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're not just going to – here's the thing. If you move over Melata to right tackle, then you're moving Jason Peters, who's either one of the guard positions, over to left tackle, and then you're moving Matt Pryor over. So you're moving three guys around. It doesn't make – there's no logical sense. So if you're – look, 
if I have no problem with this, this for this week. I have no problem. I'm looking down. Yeah, yeah, long yeah. Term, and oh, that's where I have. It, it, uh, I'm if, really worried if, about that. If Jason Peters is the starting left tackle by week eleven, you're you're going to have me ranting and raving on this thing, similar to how I ranted and raving about Alshon Jeffrey. Who's your but but I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I but here's the thing. I think that for this week, first off, Jason Peters is coming off an injury. You might as well put him at the place that he's most comfortable at. Uh, it's been two months, almost, or it's been six weeks since he played right guard. So to just shove him back in there when we've never seen him actually play in a game at right guard doesn't make a ton of sense, especially when you're facing a team with nothing but edge rushers. Uh, Jordan Melata, we've seen play right tackle. Again, I think his body type, his, all of his attributes make him a solid right tackle. The only reason why he's not been worked at right tackle so much is because they're not never going to move Lane Johnson to left tackle. Let's get that out of the, out of the way. He is never going to play left tackle in the league. He, he wants to play right tackle. He's the best right tackle in football. You keep him there. You don't make two positions worse by moving Lane Johnson to left tackle. It's just not a, a move uh, after all this time. Um, now, Jordan Maylott is important. Okay. Uh, now that you know he can play in the league, because he definitely can play in the league, You've also got to see if he can play both positions as a swing tackle because if he loses a battle next year to Andre Dillard or they decide to draft another left tackle next year and they have him compete, you've got to know that he can do it because, frankly, I think Jack Driscoll is more of a right tackle, right guard, or a left guard. I don't think he's a left tackle, and right now he's listed as their swing tackle, and I don't think that that's good. Granted, Andre Dillard's out for the year. But anyway, that's my rant there. Uh, You know, Let's talk about Jalen Rager because I think there's a consensus that amongst fans where they shouldn't rush him back, but they're also super excited about how quickly he's been healing. Um, from your perspective, do you think that they should hold him out of this game? I know we got to see him in practice a little bit and he looked good, but just the fact that the guy's already suffered two injuries in six weeks uh, no matter how you recover, that's terrific. But if you're constantly injured, it doesn't matter how quickly you recover if you're missing three weeks at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the one thing, if I think it is a little concerning. I mean, he's a rookie and he's already had those two injuries, one to the shoulder, then one to the thumb that he has. And, and it, it does worry me a little bit. It, it, it sort of reminds me of another number 18, Jeremy Macklin, a little bit. It, sure. You, with a lot of speed, a lot, a lot of ability to catch the ball, with the yak and everything he reminds me a lot of that but also with the injuries i think right now i, I have no problem with it coming back if it was a knee or an ankle i definitely would have a lot be a lot very worried about him coming back and just say hey you know what wait till after the buy see see what happens there and 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 get him back for the, for the giants game but when it comes to uh, the ucl tear and the thumb and everything i mean looking i, I think especially for where the injury occurred and basically what he's done, I think I have no problem with him coming back right now. And I think right now it's a good time for him to do that, being that you don't have Deshaun Jackson anymore because of his fractured uh, ankle. I think that you're going to you're gonna need somebody to go ahead and be another big play threat. I mean, John Hightower has done well, and, and pretty much he, when he runs that nine route, that go route, he looks, he, he looks like he's definitely improving. I, I'll give him credit for that. But when it comes to another guy that go ahead can run like that, that pose that can run that – crossing route that can run to be a threat to run those end arounds to be to do all that stuff that we saw Jackson do against the Giants I think Rager is more suited to do that I think he could do a very good job in with the thumb as opposed to like I said earlier the thumb opposed to being an ankle 
I can see him going ahead and and being okay. And I have no problem with this situation. Now, would you go ahead and keep him out till you saw the Giants, or, or especially with all the other receivers you have, or would you throw him in there? Uh, no, I'd throw him out there. I so I think you know I think there's some concern about him returning punts. Uh, and, and, you know, as we've learned, Deshaun Jackson wanted to be out there on that punt return. It was obviously a freak accident because there was a late hit. It wasn't because he went out there. You can't really put that on the coaching staff, etc. Um, I wouldn't put him on a necessarily a pitch count, but I would hold off on having him return punts just because we saw him muff some punts, uh, during camp. And if his thumb's still healing or he's still kind of getting used to the game speed, you don't want to risk any muff punts. That's my one concern. Uh, but as far as wide receiver goes, I have absolutely no problem playing him. Um, especially against this secondary who will be nowhere close to his thumbs. Uh, if you've watched them play and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'd play him. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is still sidelined. Go figure. Um, <laughs> and frankly, like, look, I, I've been all play the young kids. Look, you've got Fulgham, who's going to be your ex. Uh, you've got Ward, who's your established slot. slot. I said slot, but slot. Uh, and then I think, look, you know, you're working Rager back in. You can alternate between uh high tower and Rager and and kind of do that and then you still have your Quez Watkins and uh you have JJ single Whiteside. I would keep six wide receivers active for this game. Last week uh Quez Watkins was inactive. I just think from an injury risk scenario, you want to be able to have as many guys as possible. I would also go really heavy on offensive line depth uh even at the expense of some other positions. Um, just because Jason Peters, again, is a 50-50 shot of completing a game. So uh, with some of these guys coming back, it's important to have that kind of exit. Well, I guess you've got, you've got Hakeem Butler, so I guess you don't need necessarily the six wide receivers uh, out there. But anyway, um, yeah, I've got no problem with Rager. What's your, what's your starting wide receiver group? Is it, is it Yeah, yeah. I probably – I go Fogum. Rager in the slot. Uh, no, Fogel, Rager, Ward. Those would be the, the three I would go with if I'm going 11 personnel. And and the one person I would love to see, I know it's going to be tough for that one. I want to see Watkins. I want to see Watkins here. I just want to see what he can, is able to do because he hasn't had a ball targeted to him yet this year. And I, I kind of want to see. I, I, and basically, when I've gone back and looked at film, I don't think it's a separation thing. I, I don't think he's having an issue. I just don't think he's gotten the. Uh, it's been circumstance, but I really want to see what this kid can do. I mean, he has he can fly, but I, I would love to see him be included in that rotation. Or if the Eagles even go empty and go five wides, I would love to see him in there. But circumstance hasn't done that. But I would at least if I'm going to start start a group a crew, I would go Fulgham, I go Ward, and I go Rager, and say, hey, you know what? Try to stop try to stop from there on out, and didn't have Goddard in the middle at tight end. That's what that's the way I would go. I don't know if I'm putting Goddard out there. Uh, this week I don't think that it may it there's a need for it with the way Richard Rodgers is playing I think Jason Crooms whatever but I think you're gonna play a lot of empty personnel where um you're looking at a lot of 10 personnel with one running back back there and four wide receivers I I just think that's the strength of this team especially if you've got Rager out there and you can have Hightower too you put Rager and Ward in the slot with Hightower and Fulgham on the outside or you put 
uh, Rager and, and Hightower on the outside and put Fulgham and Ward in the slot. I just think that's deadly, especially with how terrible the secondary is. Um, you know, I, I just think that that's really interesting. But I keep getting ahead of myself with talking about Dallas. It is Dallas week, so it's obviously on the brain. But before we, we get into our preview, um, let's talk about the trade deadline, okay? Uh, the other day I put out five potential trades uh, that the Eagles could make as both buyers and sellers. It seemed to get a lot of really positive feedback. Um, so let's kind of go over those. And I'm going to pitch these five trades to you, and you're going to tell me which one you would go with, okay? Okay. Um, right. Let me let me pull this pull this up. And um, while you're doing that, I'm going to get my GM cap on right now. I'll get my GM coffee right now. I'll get my cell phone waiting for calls for the other people waiting to give go ahead that. So, All right, Howie. All right, Howie. <laughs> All right, so the first one, so I'm going to make my case. And what, what the game we're going to play is buy or sell, okay? I'm going to pitch you each one, and eventually we're going to get down to a couple of sells. We're going to get down to a couple of buys, and we're going to say, which one do you like the most, okay? So the All first right. trade I'm proposing is wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey and a 2021 fifth-round pick to the Packers for a 2021 sixth round pick and a conditional 22 seventh round pick. Now, my logic here is, look, the Packers are going to have to take on Alshon Jeffrey's salary. They're going to get him off the books. The Eagles want to get rid of him. Everyone knows it. Uh, if you, if they are shopping him, in, in, in fact, as it's been reported countless times. Um, so you're sending a better pick to swap picks, but you're not losing a pick. And then on top of that, you're getting a conditional pick where if Jeffrey is on the roster come the start of the league year, you're getting a seventh round pick. So technically you're getting two picks for one in Jeffrey. Um, look, this is all nonsense. And, and, and uh, you know, in the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, when uh, Matt McConaughey is talking to Leo about like, fake money and he's like fugazi you know it's like it, that's what this is <laughs> who cares right it's a you're trading a fifth round pick for a sixth round pick the eagles have two fifth round picks this year, upcoming they don't have their fourth round pick so you're essentially getting a, a six for a an extra fifth you're also going to already have three compensatory picks as long as the the dolphins don't cut jordan howard um uh, so I, I look. I think this is it, this is a win win for both teams. I can tell you for a fact that the Packers are looking for wide receiver talent. They have made calls. They're looking for ha- pass catchers for Aaron Rodgers. This is a thing. Uh, are you buying or selling? If you're the Eagles, sorry. If I, if I'm the Eagles, I'm selling. I don't I don't like the, I don't, personally. I, I personally I'm not a big fan of that one. We 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 went at length of it last week. I still think he. I still think Osh I can come back and be a, a viable member of this receiving core. I think, uh, and especially for six, if it was the NBA, I, I think, yeah, it would be a good thing because you get rid of salary, but this is still like you can get rid of salary next year as well too. And if right now I might as well go ahead and get, see what I can get out of uh, performance wise out Jeffrey later on in the sixth and seventh. I mean, Looking back, I know you gotten two hill out of it, but he's no longer here with it. You've gotten some other guys. With Your guy Quez Watkins out. is a, is a six round pick. Yeah, but how many times? I don't want to make this a whole Howie thing or anything else. But how many times have a lot of those picks stuck around or been impact players within the last couple of years? And I, I know you, Jason, I know you can use them Jason as Jason Kelsey, picks. Jason Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, I was back when. Uh, heck, I had hair back when Jason Kelsey was. <laughs> <laughs> 
But remember, remember our twenties. Remember those? Oh, the golden years! I remember when we actually had the iPods. Yeah, I remember stuff like that. (laughs) But I, 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 I wouldn't do that deal right now. Six and seven. Now, if somehow a fourth came up, I'd seriously consider it because. You're looking at a pick probably in the one twenties, possibly. Yeah, I'd I'd seriously consider it, but if for six and seventh, I'd sell. All right, next deal. JJ or single white side in a 2021 sixth. Bye. Oh, sorry. sorry. Six- <laughs> <laughs> so JJ or single white side in a 2021 sixth round pick to the Jets for linebacker Avery Williamson and a 2021 seventh round pick. So you're swapping late round picks. Here's why it makes sense for the Jets. Now, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, was with the Eagles when they drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. There's some logic to link them together and think that he liked that type of player because he also drafted Denzel Mims, who, while he was way more athletic than than Arcega-Whiteside, has a similar game style. He's going to go up and get it. He's going to use his big body to box out, um, you know, corners and safeties. Uh, the Jets desperately need wide receiver help on the outside. He would come in and be able to play a little bit. Remember, Joe Douglas is the same guy who brought in jo- uh, uh, Josh Adams, who, while he led the Eagles in, in rushing yards in 2018, he's also not very good. So, you know, it, 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 we're, we've been waiting for Joe Douglas to make a trade with Howie Roseman for a year and a half, two years now. So this made a lot of sense. There's also been rumors out there that the Eagles are looking into linebacker help. Avery Williamson, while he has a $2.75 million salary, it would be prorated to the Eagles at about $1.5 million at this point. He's a veteran. He's played in the 3-4. He's played in the 4-3. He could be a really good middle linebacker. If you remember back in the day where the uh, Eagles traded Brandon Gibson, who was a sixth-round pick, along with a draft pick to the St. Louis Rams for Will Witherspoon. Will Witherspoon came in and had an amazing game against the Redskins. He was kind of an afterthought the rest of the season, but at least you had a veteran linebacker who could play, had experience. Williamson is in the final year of his deal, so he won't affect next year's cap other than your rollover. But really, when you're trading our single white side for him, it's it's a million dollars that you're losing out on. Uh, but what are you what are you thinking about that trade well i definitely want to i'd definitely buy that i'd heavily buy that and, and i know i was joking earlier when it came to jj arcega Whiteside, but i think it helps out both teams i think the jets need i know they got that mims coming back but i think arcega Whiteside maybe a fresh start does him well and when it comes to williamson i definitely think he can help this linebacker core i think he can go ahead if if even if you moved him to the middle and edwards maybe to the strong side or Maybe you have him go out to the outside backer and you can keep Gary because the team loves Gary. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to that deal one bit. And I think the key thing you said was the the money. I think especially with one one point two five million, I I think the move that the team made to go ahead and switch Fletcher Cox's uh contract to a bonus to free up about five million dollars, I think that definitely would help us out. I'd probably say if they made a move, uh, if anybody costs three million or less for the rest of the year, I'd say go for it. And especially as a position of need, and you're getting that veteran presence in, the, in that room, especially I think Williams could help out for the remainder of the year, help out those other line, young linebackers and help them see some things as well, too, that for, uh, linebacker coach Ken Joel can help out as well, too. So I, I definitely would buy heavily on that trade. 
All right, so the next one, a conditional 2021 seventh-round pick to the Miami Dolphins for Jordan Howard. Now, the conditions of the seventh-round pick, it would the Dolphins would only get a seventh-round pick if Howard were to rush for uh, 300 yards in the second half of the season or the Eagles were to win a playoff game. Uh, would you – how are you feeling about that? So, basically, it's, it's a flyer. Look, Howard's already down to $1.1 million. On his uh, salary, he does have a second year at around $5 million, but it's there's no guarantees there. You can cut him. Um, he's basically getting you through the second half of the se- season. He knows the system. He's already shown that he can be a very good complement to Miles Sanders. I think the Dolphins immediately regretted making this move. I can tell you that I've been told by multiple sources that he is available on the trade block. He's been inactive the past two games. It just kind of seems like a move that Howie Roseman would make, as we've seen with T.Y. McGill and and Jason Peters and bringing a lot of guys back who know the system in this COVID era. I actually would buy on that. I, I seriously would buy. I think when you look at the production, you get, you're getting out of your backup running backs. I mean, Boston Scott did have a good game last game against the Giants, and I think he did that. I think Corey Clement, I, I, th- I thought he would have a little bit more production than what he's shown and, and been a little bit better than what he's shown so far this season. So I def- uh, I'm a little disappointed in him. And then you have uh, Jason Huntley, who showed a little bit, but basically he looks like Boston Scott version 2.0. So I think you do need that that running back that's going to be able to go in around the fourth quarter if you're up on the lead, especially late in the year. You know how it gets around Philadelphia. It gets really cold. You're going to have to go ahead and you, you just want to finally finish a team off. You're going to have to go. You're going to need to run the ball, pound the ball. I think Howard can do that. So with a seven, conditional seventh round pick, I think with with those conditions, I somehow think I think that the Eagles will be giving up that seventh round pick. But compensatory wise, I think they'll be getting one back. So it's just basically, I think it's going to be a wash. So I, I'd say go for it. I, I definitely will buy on that. Today. All right, I'm going to speed through these last two because we we do need to get into a preview, but. I have the Eagles either trading a a 2021 fifth round pick for the Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson or the Lions running back Karrion Johnson. Now, the the idea with Jackson is he's the Patriots number three corner. He's going to be a restricted free agent coming up. Um, You know, he's a former undrafted free agent. So if the Patriots give him a an original round tender, uh, nobody's going to they'll only have the right of first refusal there. Might as well get a fifth round pick out of it. He's got three interceptions on the season. Good size at six foot one and 198 pounds. I think we've kind of lightly glossed over the fact that Avante Maddox has been very up and down when he's been healthy on the outside. I think the size differentials cause issues uh, when Maddox has been on the field. And then kind of the same logic with Howard, with carry on Johnson, Howard Johnson's in, Still on the third year of his rookie deal. He's only 23 years old. Uh, The the Lions have buried him behind Adrian Peterson. They selected DeAndre Swift in the second round, and now Bo Scarborough is coming off injured reserve. Kerryon Johnson's a guy who's got a good name. He's got some good upside, and he can be around for uh, the the second half of the season and beyond. Uh, Very cheap $1 million salary next year. Uh, if you're trying to get a guy who's going to complement Miles Sanders, who has the ability to start if Miles Sanders is out of the lineup, I think trading a fifth-round pick for Kerry and Johnson is an absolute home run. Uh, what do you think about those two trades? This is going to sound weird, but I'm definitely buying on the Jackson trade. I think the Nicole Roby Coleman has been playing it hasn't been playing well overall, and I think you definitely need to go ahead and get uh, having another third corner in here. 
like a, like Jackson, I think would do a lot better and help this defense out way more. I'm actually going to sell one on the carry on Johnson, even though it does sound on paper. I'd rather have Howard coming in here and a guy who's already familiar with this system instead of having to wait for Johnson for a couple of weeks to see if you can go ahead and work him in there. And, and I definitely, I would definitely, the Jackson, I think, I think you need a cornerback more than you need a running back. But so I definitely, I, I buy on Jackson. I'd sell on carry on Johnson. Okay, so you you bought on J.C. Jackson, you bought on Jordan Howard, and then you bought on Avery Williamson. You like old guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Which <laughs> which of the three deals do you think is the most beneficial for the Eagles at this point? I think the Avery Williamson deal will definitely be more beneficial just because not only does it have an impact on your current roster as of right now, I think it helps you out a little bit more in the future when it comes to the intangibles part of the experience asset and teaching those linebackers. But then also I think when it comes to the cap and and the salary cap money, it won't cost you way too much and you can still have a decent amount to roll over from a, to to alleviate some of that cap issues you have in next year in 2021. So the Williamson's trade, I think will be the the, the premium right there. All right, cool. Um, I'm all on board on, on the Williamson trade as well. Uh, I, my runner up would be the, uh, the JC Jackson, trade I, I really like the carry on johnson trade but uh yeah i mean i i agree i think the williamson trade is, is the most ideal move it's the the best short-term move in it, because that's what you really got to look at short-term long-term uh it's not affecting you long-term but short-term it could be pretty beneficial so um let's get into our preview briefly look the the cowboys offense uh, has been kind of a mess since Dak Prescott left, uh, or not left, but suffered an an- a season-ending ankle injury, had to have surgery. Uh, I think Dak Prescott should win the MVP award because if you look at this offense, when he's not in it, they are just terrible. Um, I think without a doubt, Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the division, whether you want to debate him and Dak, whatever. Uh, but at this point, he is the best quarterback in the division. Um, you know. Andy Dalton suffered a head injury. He's in the concussion protocol. He hasn't been cleared as of Thursday. So right now you're looking at Ben DiNucci, uh, the former uh, James Madison slash Pittsburgh quarterback, who was the seventh round pick. He's a rookie. He made, I think, like three throws uh, in that game against Washington where the Cowboys were blown out. We don't really know a ton about him from an NFL standpoint. But overall, I mean, this has the makings of a potential Jets game last year where you had Luke Falk essentially like out there just getting abused by Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and Fletcher Cox. Uh, What's your take on the quarterback position for the Cowboys? I think uh, if Danute, you always fear what you don't know. And I think Danucci does that. But the one thing I will say, like, I've. I found like I try to look for random clips about him, and it's rough. You know, he reminds me—he reminds me of a of a little bit taller Baker Mayfield. He really does, because the one thing you'll see is and he showed a little bit in, in in that Washington game. He's able to go ahead and, and elude pass. He's able to elude the rush, and I'm not saying he's going to be like a Lamar Jackson where all of a sudden you see him speeding down, but he, he's elusive enough to escape pressure. And he also can throw the ball. And looking at some of the James Madison, though, he can also throw the ball deep downfield. Now, granted, that was FCS level play. And not knocking FCS, I think that's basically FBS is a little bit better. But 
I think he could be the one thing the Eagles going to have to do is they're going to have to make sure not only put pressure of him and confuse him, they're going to make sure they can contain him because if he breaks the pocket and he's able to use his athletic ability, and then you have a guy like say Michael Gallup, I know he's not having his best season, but a guy Michael Gallup just breaking free when the Eagles are trying to chase down Danucci, that could be a problem. I, I really think that could be a problem. So I think it won't be as bad. I, I don't think he's going to light it up, but I think he could be annoying just enough to keep this game going on for the Eagles defense. And you sure hope he doesn't turn into Joe Webb overnight. You sure hope he doesn't do that. (laughs) I think that's the concern, right? Because the Cowboys do still have Ezekiel Elliott, who's slumping hard this year. Uh, And they do have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and uh, as you mentioned, Michael Gallup. Uh, Their offensive line is just as banged up as the Eagles. Their only starter uh, who's typically in the lineup is Connor Williams. Um, I think this could be a banner day for the defensive line. It's just not a good offensive line right now. Uh, You know, who, if you had to have one offensive starter on your offensive line, who is typically there, you'd almost definitely pick Jason Kelsey over Connor Williams. Um, And look, I think, I think this is going to be a look. The the defensive tackle unit is, you know, if if Malik Jackson's able to play in this game, oh, pray for Ben DiNucci, pray for that man, because <laughs> inside you're going to have a lot of really great matchups. You know, you're not facing Travis Frederick, uh, right? Travis, yeah. Am I like my brain? I just like had a brain fart. Um, no, you could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you're not you're not facing off against the normal great offensive line here. Um, I think the edge rushers are going to have a really good time against these replacement tackles. I think Brandon Graham is a top five defensive end in the league this year from a run stopping standpoint, from a pass rushing standpoint, he's on pace for 13 and a half sacks this season. He's never eclipsed 10 before. I think he gets at least two sacks in this game. Um, And then, I mean, look, the wide receivers against the corners are, I mean, like that's the matchup, right? Uh, At least from a defensive standpoint, Darius Slay has done very well against Amari Cooper in the past. I think if he can take away Amari Cooper, you're looking at CeeDee Lamb versus uh, Craven LeBlanc, and you're looking at Avante Maddox versus Michael Gallup. Now, Avante Maddox has the speed to run with Gallup. That said, he's missed the last, I mean, he played like four snaps against the Giants in emergency uh, situation and outside of that he's he missed uh three games so uh you know he's gonna get kind of have to get his legs under him literally and figuratively so uh, that'll be something to watch but I think that that's actually an okay matchup the concern I have is CD Lambert's Craven LeBlanc who has been up and down in the slot uh I would not put Nikel Roby Coleman out there as the matchup he just can't tackle his effort has been bleh, uh just based on tape um I'd almost feel a bit more better with uh, Craig James out there. So where wow. are you at from, from the passing standpoint? I know Danucci's probably going to have a ton of pressure in his face, but you know that the Cowboys, especially these wide receivers, can catch and run. Uh, where are you at with that? Well, I think they, that in order to go ahead and get that passing unit, they're going to have to feed it to Zeke Elliott. I think that's the best way they're going to have to – I think that's the best way the Cowboys are going to have to win. You run the ball with Zeke Elliott, try to soften the – soften that pass rush and, and concentrate and then go on the play off the uh, play action pass and go ahead and try to suck the Rodney McLeod and, and these Eagles linebackers up. So you go ahead and you try to go either in the middle and attack it with the tight ends, or you go ahead and go attack it with the, uh, with CD lamb across like on a quick or a post and stuff like that. I think that's where 
I'm a little worried at when it comes to with this Eagles defense. You're, you're trying to cover that, but if they and also if they want to go ahead and keep Danucci upright, they're going to have to try stuff like that, like draws and everything else. So uh, that's where I'm worried at. If the Eagles, if the Cowboys are able to go ahead and establish that run, the Eagles start to sell out to try to stop the run, then the Cowboys go play action off that. That's where that's where I'm worried at on there. Now, now. Oh, so you go. oh, sorry. It will, and, and to counter that, Jim Schwartz's defense is based on stopping the run, and uh, they're likely to have T.J. Edwards, their best run-stopping linebacker, in the lineup this week. Uh, he's coming back from a hamstring injury. Uh, it should be noted that Nate Gary missed Wednesday's practice uh, with an ankle injury. If he's unable to go, you're looking at a starting lineup of T.J. Edwards, Duke Riley, and uh, Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton did very well against the run. Uh, against the Giants. So I, I wonder, um, you know, how they arrange their nickel group because TJ Edwards really doesn't perform all that terrific in passing situations. But like I said, the best way to counter that is to have your best run-stopping linebackers out there. Uh, Jim Schwartz is going to have to play, have a lot of discipline in his play calling. I don't think this team's ever going to sell out for the run because they're built to stop the run first and foremost. So I think that's the one thing they have going for them, but go on. Oh, I was going to ask you, like when you, when I'm, when you're looking at the, this Cowboys defense, you know, how are you going? I mean, there's so many different ways. It's mean, they, they're just bad, especially when it comes to the scoring, the scoring defense, they're, they're, they're on pace to be one of the worst defense of all time. I mean, how are you with the, with the Eagles, the way they're currently constructed in the interest, how are you attacking them? Well, I'm doing the exact opposite of the game plan for the Cowboys because I agree with you. They have to establish Ezekiel Elliott. But if you're the the Eagles, the best defense for the Cowboys offense is to get a, 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 a nice lead, force them to move away from the run, make them one dimensional. And I think that's what Doug Peterson will look to do, especially with Jalen Rager back in the lineup. You know you can attack them downfield with John Hightower. John Hightower, Scott, after two back-to-back uh, 50 or, or yards or more catches – defenses are going to have to acknowledge that he can actually get downfield. Then you have Jalen Rager out there who had a 55 yard catch in week one. Look, those guys can burn down the field. And I I think that's going to, that's going to be interesting from some safety help. Like, look, if if Dallas Goddard's in this game, safeties are going to be, you know, preoccupied to begin with. But if he's back in the game and Rager's back in the game, I don't know what the secondary can really do. Right. Um, I think Travis Fulgham's going to get at least 12 targets in this game. I, I think he's going to have a game like eight catches for 80 and a touchdown. Um, I just think, look, if you don't have Miles Sanders in this game, which you probably don't, um, you're going to probably be heaving the ball quite a bit. You're not going to be one-dimensional. They're going to still have to run with Boston Scott and and use screens as part of the, the running game. But my thought process is, that first drive of the game, one of your first three plays should be a nine route by John T- Hightower or Jalen Rager. Even if it doesn't work, you let the defense know, hey, this is what we can do. This is how we can push the ball downfield. Uh, uh, Fulgham's going to have to be good off the bat. He should be able to, based on what I've seen from the secondary. Um, look, the, the Cowboys have some decent linebackers. They've got some good pass rushers. Since you're going to be passing the ball a lot, I would presume – Boston Scott, the key is for Boston Scott and Corey Clement to be much improved in the pass blocking, pass protection game. Because if Carson Wentz can't get off these long throws, this game's going to come down to the wire. They need to start off strong. They need to push the ball downfield. And 
not that the running game will be an afterthought, but it will be a complementary piece of this puzzle for the Eagles because, frankly, the Cowboys secondary is atrocious. Uh, I'm not afraid of making mistakes here. This is a game where I say, Carson, air out the ball. You can be smart, but also be aggressive. Push this ball downfield. Uh, let's work Travis Fulgham. Richard Rodgers has proven that he can catch the ball. And I'll tell you this. This is the game where you really unleash Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, as a runner. Um, you saw a little bit of it against the Giants, but without Miles Sanders, you need somebody who can be dynamic and pick up dynamic plays with their feet. And I think that's what Hurts can do. I'm lining him up in the backfield with Carson Wentz. I'm doing read options. I'm not getting too cute. I want this kid to run. And then just when the Cowboys think like, oh, well, they're just using him as, to complement the running game, you throw that football. This will be the game that Jalen Hurts scores his first touchdown as an NFL player. I would almost guarantee it uh, at wow. this point. The guarantee. Whoa. I'm not. I said almost guarantee. Don't oh, hold me to it. Like, <laughs> I, no, but I think this is the game where you see Jalen Hurts on the field for ten to twelve plays. Like it's the right thing to do, especially going into the bye week, because you want other teams to see this and say, "Well, wow! Not only do we have to worry about this kid on the run and the threat of the pass, but we also know he can pass the football." Like that's the thing. He's thrown the football once. You know he can kind of throw, but do you know he can do it? Make consistent throws do you know if he can make different throws i mean he threw down the seam to to richard rogers uh, you know in tempo but like can this kid come in on second and five and complete a six yard crossing route like what can this kid do in the open field we've talked about him in the red zone you obviously have to worry about him there but now i gotta worry about this kid in between the 20s that's scary. And you're not taking Carson once out of the game. Carson seems to not favor blocking, but he he seems to at least acknowledge it. And he seems to have bought into, uh, at least on the surface, uh, this plan to use Jalen Hurts in the backfield. I just think Jalen Hurts is their most explosive weapon on the ground. And that's kind of your answer to like, most offenses are using end arounds with their wide receivers. I don't think these wide receivers are good enough to do that outside of Jalen Rager. And I'm not pushing it with Jalen Rager's first game back. So I'm using Jalen Hurts as my, my, you know, ace in the hole, I guess as you would call it um, on the ground. Yeah. I, I personally, I, I think he, I think I do. I'm I'm with you. I definitely think he's going to be a, actually may have a chance for his first touchdown. If he gets down, if, if they decide to go, it's, if they try to go ahead and use him in the red zone, I think that he definitely would. When it comes to some of those passes, I'd actually save it just a couple more weeks because when you have that murderer's row and you start to go against teams like the Seahawks and and the Saints, I definitely I wait for him. I w- probably the week before you start playing those guys, I probably show it then to really have them go ahead and start to think a little bit. I, I'd, I'd save some of the passes for then, but I have no problem with them go ahead and and and, and, sh- and using him as a runner. And showcasing that one too, I think I know it's getting kind of it's gotten kind of stale at times because you think like, okay, Jalen Hurts, oh, here comes the read option, or here comes his own read, stuff like that. But I think right now, when it comes to the passes, I'd save just a little bit for some of those other games to really throw throw those teams off for for a loop. But I definitely think that's that was a good idea. All right, so let's kind of get into our predictions. I've got the Eagles winning twenty seven to seventeen. I I don't care who's a quarterback for Dallas. I think the Eagles start off strong. I think there's a lull where maybe there's 
a pick six or a fumble recovery in Eagles territory that gets the Cowboys on the board. Uh, they go into halftime at like a, a 13 to, to seven mark. Uh, and then the Eagles eventually pull away in the fourth quarter because apparently Carson Wentz has to make everything interesting for us. Um, so uh, I, I think when you look at this group, I think a 14 to 10 second half, kind of score makes sense. So I'm going to go 27 to 17. Ooh, that's not, that's not bad. I actually think it's going to be a lot closer because the reason why I think it's going to be closer is Cowboys released a, a bunch of veteran players, including Dontari Poe. And I think they're trying to send a, a message with that. Also, the whole everybody in the country heard Mike McCarthy go ahead and call out his players for not going ahead and sticking up for Andy Dalton. And I think when you couple that, those two events, I think the Cowboys actually might get up and add that it's a division game as well, too. And they're not completely out of it. I think the Cowboys are actually going to be up for this game, especially Sunday night football, too. Oh, yeah, for, and Sunday, and Sunday night. So I think the Cowboys are going to be up for a game. And I think it's going to be very close for a long time. I think I think even all, all the way up to the fourth quarter, maybe through the fourth quarter, I actually have the Eagles winning 20 to 17. But it's going to be really – it's not going to be a, hey, you know what, is, this game's over by halftime. I think – go ahead and get some rest game. I think it's going to go down right to the last, the last minute. If the Eagles only score 20 points against this defense, uh, who cares if they yeah. win the division? Yeah. <laughs> Frankly. Um, so, I mean, look, for for reference, the Cowboys are giving up 34, I think it's like 34.7 uh, points per game. Um the only reason why the Redskins weren't like absolutely bullying them is because the Cowboys had three points and they could, you know, take it easy. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that would we be also bad. This team wouldn't tie the uh, Cincinnati Bengals either. Right, so. right. You're right. <laughs> so um, guys, just remember, you can sign up for Eagles Extra at NJ.com slash text. You'll get stuff straight to your phone. We'll give you some commentary during the game. Uh, it's the first two weeks are free. Also, make sure to or uh, download us wherever you can download podcasts. Uh, I think that'll be, you know, very, uh, very nice for your annual or your annual, your weekly listening uh, privileges as I stumble through my words and my brain. I don't know. I think I've had too much coffee this morning. Anyway, we almost went an hour, man. This, this, this is a yeah, this is, this is one of, yeah. yeah, this is definitely a record for us, but it'll, <laughs> it, I, I think it is one of the longer podcasts we've done. Uh, everybody knows my attention span only goes for 42 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so we've kind of just gone above the, the grain there, but, um, yeah, for Chris, I'm Mike. Thanks for listening to the no huddle show podcast. We will have a recap of Sunday's game on Monday heading into the buy. We'll also talk about where the outlook is for the buy moving forward, uh, who the biggest threats are for this NFC East crown. I think right now, Washington is the only legitimate threat for the Eagles. But uh, that may change after a weekend of action. So we will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to chatting some Eagles with you in a couple of days. 